Hi, everyone. Pastor Galen, lead pastor at Shine Hills Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We hope that these podcasts will be a real encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. You can also connect with Cheyenne Hills at CheyenneHills.org. Hope you enjoy the program. We are across the street and around the world. Cheyenne Hills. So I just thought of something, Kenny. Um, it's probably not a really good idea to drink sparkling water before we go on these podcasts. I don't know. It just, it just kind of hit me. Why is that? No, I just know. It just kind of hit me. Do you, do you like sparkling water? I, I do not. You do not? I'm a, you not a big fan. Right. Not a big fan. So I, I started drinking sparkling water when I was in Africa. Okay. And this guy, we were in Uganda in Kampala, and we were at this hotel, and he was, he was serving, uh, serving us drinks and stuff, and he says, would you like water or water with gas? And I said, <laughs> I said water, what is water with gas? And he, and, and we, a side order of beans <laughs> with it or something? Or, <laughs> oh, my gosh. We should. Do we have a delete button on any? This is just live. We just got to keep rolling with it, don't we? Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> maybe just keep no, me muted until. Yeah, we, just maybe yeah. till. No, but. Uh, well, actually, I was. I had all kinds of thought. What is water right. with gas? I was thinking the same thing. And so I, and he, fi- when we were going back and forth trying to figure sure. out what, what is water with gas and. And he showed me, it was sparkly. I was like, oh, sparkly carbonated water. Okay. Well, that was the first time I drank it. Well, it was so refreshing because, I don't know, I was really thirsty or whatever. That was my first exposure to water with gas. Okay. And I I still drink water with gas. But sometimes I like some flavor in it. Sure. And some of them, I don't know if you know, you probably don't know because you haven't drank. You you drink a lot of water with gas? Yes, you do. And uh, so... And some of them, the flavor is kind of there, and some of them it's not. Well, I heard this funny thing that someone was drinking a, a, a sparkling water, and he said that uh, it had a hint of lime, but he had to shout lime when he drank it to even taste the lime. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Well, that has That's nothing to do with our topic today, but Does I it just, matter. No, Does we, it matter. we needed an intro, and there, there we <laughs> that go. That's a great intro. And so since uh, <laughs> discipleship, what does it look like? To be a disciple, what is a disciple? Yeah. How do you, how do you train to be a disciple? Tell us what you're thinking here, Kenny. Yeah, well, that, uh, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of times when we talk to people about uh, being a disciple, there are a thousand different. I mean, if you talk to a thousand people, you get a thousand different answers. Yeah. They're they're kind of flavored the same. I don't know if you have to yell "disciple" to <laughs> get that flavor out, but. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's good. Yeah, that yeah, worked well. I, I, I like how you I did like, that. Yeah, yeah. That worked. That worked really well. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. Good job, Kenny. <laughs> All right. Um, but the you know for some people it's a 12 week Bible study, right? And for others it's a, a lifelong learning process. And so what I like to do is when we're having this discussion, I like to go back and look at the context of the New Testament and say, okay, well here's what a disciple was, and then what does it look like for us today, and how do we how do we communicate that in simple terms? Okay. So, so um, in Jesus' day, Jesus was a what they called a second generation rabbi. So there was a generation just before him that started this rabbinical movement, and okay. it really started from that question of "Be holy as I am holy." So how do I be holy as God is holy? And so this group that kind of came out of that Pharisaical line started right. to teach this is what holiness looks like in everyday life. And so people were following that. Well, by Jesus' day, it wasn't quite formalized, but the position of disciple started to become uh, more formalized. So one of the things they would do, for example, is um, starting at about five years old, the boys would memorize the Torah. So 
what we would consider the Old Testament. They would right. just memorize it word for word. Can you imagine? Pretty good way to start and say, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. understanding scripture. Yeah. Yeah, right. And, wow. And so by 12 years old, a, a rabbi would say, come follow me, if they thought that person was smart enough, if they thought they were intelligent. Now, keep in mind, they've already memorized the Old Testament. Like, wow. are you smart enough? Well, I don't know. Wow. Uh, yeah, pretty smart if you so, can memorize that. Well, yeah, and then when so when he brings a concept up, they have a lot of shelves to put things on. Yeah. So they've, they've put a lot of a lot of information in yeah. there. Yeah, that's amazing. Exactly. Well, and and they use that that term remez, which is uh, um, yep. uh, like a, a reflection, you know. So they would they would um, say a word, and they would even ask a question like, "How many times is the word raven used in the Torah?" And they would say, "Oh, it's you know x wow. amount of times." And here's the verse in front of it, and here's the verse behind it, and yeah. it's like that's amazing kind of brains that they had. And so when he brought up that the remez, they brought up a concept. They knew exactly where what he was talking about. Yes. They didn't have to tell the whole story. Yeah, it was already the principal concept is already built in there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and we're even going to see that this week um, with the triumphal entry. Jesus makes this comment to the Pharisees that it just infuriates them. And you, at a cursory reading of it, you kind of go, why are they so upset? But then when you look at the passage and the setting around it, you go, oh, that's why. <laughs> that's why. So when Jesus says, uh, or the Pharisees call him to rebuke his disciples, you right. know, um, Jesus says, well, if I did, the stones would cry out. Right. Well, that's the, he's referring to a passage in the Old Testament that is talking about how... Um, uh, the the city fathers were killing the prophets. And uh, so Jesus is saying or inferring right. that, you know, you're, you're, you're just like they were, you're, you're not a bringer of the truth. And so, yeah, it infuriates. Them. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a powerful picture. Okay. So, so a disciple in Jesus's day definitely had a, um, a good foundation yes. to say the very yeah. least. Yeah, absolutely. So, so they went from there, and they would go to the rabbi. Rabbi, may I follow you? If you thought they were smart, come follow me. And it was a commitment. This wasn't just a, okay, so from 5 o'clock to right. 6 o'clock, we'll have a class. This was a commitment, an everyday commitment. So All day and all night. Is that yeah. I mean, certainly I mean, in Jesus' day, they did. That, that's one of the things that I think is interesting. You know, the, the Greek way of learning is one lecturer, and you kind of have this kind yeah. of our, our system today yeah. is kind of how the – the lectures kind of began back in the, the Greek times, but uh, Jesus in, in it's uh, the Hebrew way of learning was real organic. It was yeah. just life on life and yeah. example of the, you know, the mustard seed or whatever it might right. be, whatever you came across, right. this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Real life examples. Well, and I love that process because so for example, they might go to a fig tree and do a teaching and then they would get up and they'd start walking and the rabbi would, just ask his disciples questions. And if they got it wrong, they'd go all the way back to that fig tree and they'd do the whole lesson again. Oh, wow. So can you imagine that? You know, you're getting all your answers right and you're five miles down the road and Shmuel doesn't get his. Wow. It's like, oy vey, right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Are you, is he saying words that actually can be said? In, I don't even know. I don't know. We, yeah, we started with the uh, with the gassy water yeah, stuff. So I, you yeah. never know which trajectory this thing is going on. Yeah. <laughs> So um, anyways, Julie and I, a uh, few years ago, we, we read a book called Disciple Shift. And it was with this issue exactly, the issue being how do you define a disciple in today's culture? Because we're not going to ask people to memorize the whole Old Testament. Right. 
Um, we're, we're not going to go on five mile jogs every day and, and talk through that stuff. But there, there is, I think, a, a great outline, and it's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And this is, the, this is the calling of the disciples. And remember, generally, a disciple would go to the rabbi and say, may I follow you? And then he would say, come follow me if he thought he was smart enough. And it was a, it was a complete commitment. But Jesus breaks precedent. And he says to Peter and Andrew, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so right. just right from the very beginning, he's saying, uh, you you can become as I am, right? And and it, this is like, it would be like Peyton Manning showing up and saying, "Hey, I've noticed that you're a pretty good quarterback in, you know, the the in junior high, and I want to teach you how to be a real quarterback, right. an NFL level quarterback." I mean, what kid wouldn't jump at that? No kidding. Right? Yeah. Well, and to that to that point, um, dads would be pushing them out of the boat, just kind of like you <laughs> yeah. know. But that is a curious thing: is why did they they the dads just say yeah? You know, they just up and left. The yeah. kids just left. And a lot of people believe that they were, you know, there was a, it was such a high honor. Yes. And I like yes. the Peyton Manning ex- example. I mean, um, it's such a high honor. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'd shove my kid out out the door just so they could go spend some, a, a camp right. with with Peyton Manning, let yeah. alone spend three years learning from him. Yeah, yeah. Just an amazing thing. So Jesus uh, calls Peter in that, and he says, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, and I, I just like breaking that passage down a little bit, you know, so it starts with follow me, and that's, that's really a mental decision, right, so as a disciple, I'm choosing to follow Jesus, I'm, I'm making a mental decision right. to do so, and then it moves on to the, the work of Christ, where he says, I will make you, this, that's, that's God's work in our life, and, right. you know, the, the, Christian word or the Bible word is sanctification. He's setting us apart. He's doing a work in us. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I, I, I don't know, I, 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 can't, I can't emphasize that enough that that's God's work, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I think, and probably you have your stories, but for me, you know, being a husband and a dad and a pastor, God has used those things in my life to shape me, to set me apart in a way, not because I'm a pastor, but because He's choosing to set me apart for his work, and it so happens that I am a pastor. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I, I wish that I could be smart enough to learn like that. My my learning was always painful. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I had the things that I would say I've learned the most mm-hmm. was during really, really difficult times, and it just it just was, I don't know, grounded in the, into my pores. I either had to cling to God with everything I had or bail, yeah. and um and I'm I'm glad I didn't bail, but those are that's when I've learned. It's always through yeah. the school of hard knocks has been my absolutely. Um, I, I wish I would could say that it's like I learned it the easy way. It seemed like I've had to learn learn the hard way, but I it's it's definitely stuck. Yeah, yeah. And I and I, and I see God's hand in it. I don't, I'm not bemoaning it to say I see God's hand in those difficult times. Just like even now, I think the church right is on. being purified. I think yeah. we are all being purified, and I and it's not easy. Yeah. But it's like I recognize this hand. It's a firm yeah. hand. And I don't see it. I don't see this thing going away anytime soon. If God's hands in it, and I do yes. see God's hands in it, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Simply because I think God is wanting to make us, yeah, into something here. Yeah, yeah, His work in this. Yes. And I, I totally agree. Someone, uh, someone just recently asked me about marriage. They're uh, they're getting ready to get married, and they said, you know, tell me about the first year. And I said, well, the first year I was the best husband ever. Yeah. And then we had kids and we had extra pressures yeah. and, 
And all of those things built up and I went from relying on myself to going, okay, God, right. you know, I need you. Cause I am, I am lacking. I am right. very insufficient in all right. of these things. So, and God's very sufficient. So we, so it's God's work in our, and that's, that's a heart issue. You know, one of our friends, he would always say the longest distance is 18 inches from your head to your heart. Right. And, um, that, that is so true. Intellectually, I understood that Jesus was my savior well before my heart caught it. Right. And when my heart caught it, man, that day, wow, it was a, it was a big change. One of the things that you think about, the, I was mentioning the hard times, but it mm-hmm. seemed like Jesus did the same thing with them. You think about yeah. the lesson on the ship, I mean, on the, on the sea, yeah. you know, the high seas, and they were just crying out. They yeah. were terrified, right? right? And, and he came to them and he expected them. It's like, how is it that you have no faith? Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. What he ex- what did Jesus expect of these guys? He expected them to, I don't know, just to remain completely calm. Yeah. Well, I've thought about that in, in the storms that we're in right now, yeah. in storms of my life. Uh, I know what God really wants me to do. He wants me to lean on him. Yeah. He wants me to trust him completely. Yeah. And there's in the end of this time, hopefully there'll be less of Galen and more of God. Yeah. And that that will stick. Yeah, uh, I wish I could tell you all of it sticks. It kind of fades, and he has to re-remind me and all those things. But um, to me, that is he does. That's what he made his disciples. Yeah, and he he used some pretty traumatic experiences. Not always, but but definitely there's there's some to look at. Yeah, no, I I've I, I'll just tell you from from my my spot on the boat. Okay. <laughs> uh, just just watching you navigate through this and leaning on Christ, it does remind me of Andrew. You know, Andrew was the one going. Hey, let me tell you about the Messiah. Come look at him. Yeah. You know, come see him. And um, he he kept doing that over and over again. And and I just really see you calling us into that. Um, lean on Jesus here. Right. Hey, I want you to see the one who can save us. Right. And boy, so you do that. Reminds me to do that. Reminds my family to do that. Right. You know, and and hopefully that ripple continues on. But that's part of our discipleship call. It is. And it's also, you know, I, uh, those things that I've learned from others that have gone before us. I mean, yeah. people, you know, I, I was, I'm old enough to see not the great depression, but of grandparents that went through it. Yeah. And I've heard stories of it and, and how people had to be frugal and had to lean on God and had to trust and how they, you know, there's, there's that, that touch. My, my generation is, uh, is, at least they got to see or hear the stories. We didn't go through it, right? But we heard the stories, and um, and and now as we're going through difficult times, it's like you know what we hear the stories. Um, we know what they went to, and though that generation, they're called the greatest generation for a lot of reasons. But one of them mm-hmm. is a lot of that generation leaned on God in a big, big way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's that that is that final point, you know. And I will make you fishers of men. Uh, that we're on mission with Jesus. We're going where Jesus is leading us, and none of us chose this. Like we didn't, we didn't guide the ship right. towards this thing, right? Um, with uh, uh, with this virus and what's going on in the world, and none of us guided that. However, um, we're riding with the one who did, and right. and he knows what we don't know, and so leaning in on him and that, and so so I like this. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. It goes from our head to our heart to our hands and uh, where we're serving the Lord by serving one another. And, and uh, someone asked, you know, where do you, where do you really see that played out in scripture? And I, I, I often go to Acts chapter two, you know, this is right when the church is, is, is really starting to grow and, and, uh, 
Peter has just preached and 3,000 came to the Lord that day. And, and we see that they're doing some things. You know, they're having fellowship together. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in the word together. They're, they're worshiping together. And I think if I could be honest just in this moment, pushing pause on the discipleship uh, conversation, I think that's probably been my biggest concern through this, um, this coronavirus situation that we're in is the not being able to worship together. So oh, I've, man. I've appreciated just the technology that we, we have yeah. some sort of semblance of it, a, a taste of it anyways. Well, that's true. Oh, what's well, your thought on that? No, that, the fellowship is such a big issue. It, it's bigger than I ever realized. When we were, did this uh, discovery group, uh, several years. We've done several of them, but we started the first one, I'm going to say five years ago. It may be off a couple of years. But the discovery group, you had to be an atheist, agnostic, skeptic to even get into the group. Okay, uh-huh. I didn't want believers in this group. I wanted non-believers or, or someone that's seeking and trying to figure things out. So right. we met for, th- I'm going to say, for a month, every week for a month. And then uh, I think Thanksgiving hit and then another thing and another thing. So we had to be off for two weeks. And anyway, we got back together. And everybody in that group said, okay, we're not going to take two weeks off ever again. And I was like, okay, why is that? And, and they never used the word fellowship. Yeah. Okay. Cause that was not, that's a churchy word. Right. They used, we just got to be around each other. We just got to be together because we're in this and we, they started down this road. There was something that they felt. And I'm, I think that's something that is the spirit of God. Yeah. There is something that fellowship that we had was more than just company and companionship. It was a, there was a comfort in studying God's word in the midst of their, their struggle. And they said, okay, two weeks is too long. Yeah. I could not get over it. And, and what I learned is there's a power of fellowship that mm. I think we are, we take, take for granted. And I don't think we will much now when we get right. back together, you know, we're going to be like that. We just talked about the gift guy, you know, that he comes <laughs> slapping, high fiving, right. so happy, can't even stand it. That's and right. it's like, I can't wait to get us all back together again. I'm, yeah. You know, it's gonna. I hope they let us shake hands. It's gonna be. It's gonna be hard not to just grab people and hug them. But uh, you're right. But um, but I know. I think that is. It's bigger than we realize. Um, one thing I wanted to say real quick. Yeah. Is a is a when as a bottom line, when you see a disciple, the one thing that I've always thought, or maybe I was taught this, is that. It's not just making disciples. It's when those disciples make disciples. Yes. It's that multiplication. Yeah. And if you see somebody that you've poured your heart into and they turn around and pour their heart, it's like, wow, you just made a disciple. Yeah. That, yeah. Does that make resonate with what you think? Oh, for sure. I, one of my friends, he, uh, he's a little bit more um, hardcore on this than, than I ever have been. But he, he'll say this, I will meet with you one-on-one or, or with a group of three only if you will meet with another person and teach them wow. what you've learned in this. Yes, he believed that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been very successful. Wow. He's, he's really enjoyed it, and and he's seeing disciples who are making disciples. We're coming to the end of our, our time here. i got to say one thing. This yeah. is from Dick Young. He's the guy that poured into me. Yeah. God used. He's one of those yeah. men that God used to pour into me, and I, I just tried to soak up everything. But Dick would always say it. I still hear him say it, and I'd love to hear him say it. He says, I am a satisfied customer of being a child of the living God. Yeah. And I just think, man, there's a, there's a guy that understood what it means to be, to follow, to be made in his image and to be, a, he's definitely a fisher of men. Yeah. That's one thing that Dick really put into my heart is how to be a fisher of men. Yeah. And um, I just think, and I just love that picture. That's what a disciple is. It's a satisfied customer. Yeah. Yeah. He's being a child of the living God. I really like that. No, that is, that's absolutely right. If, I think if we can own that call from Jesus to be a disciple, 
especially during this time, this yeah. unique time that we have, this is a part of, of in my opinion, uh, the, the calibration, the course correction for us individually. Um, I am going to choose to follow Jesus no matter what. It, it, I'm going to take it from my head to my heart to my hands, and, and I'm going to love Jesus with everything I have, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spill Jesus on someone. Right. You know, the, uh, one of my friends, he'll, he'll use that phrase. He, he'll have an open container of water, and he says, huh. he says, you know, when you walk places, you should just spill Jesus on people, and he'll turn real quick, and that water just splashes on people. There you go. Of course, that was before the virus thing, and yeah. it wasn't as big of a deal. <laughs> Not as funny right now. <laughs> it's not as fun. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great illustration to use these days. Well, we've we've tied up one more. I can't believe how fast mm-hmm. twenty minutes goes, Kenny. It's Seriously, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate this topic. It's one I know that you've you've honed in on and and I really appreciate your insights. I thanks for taking us to Mark uh, Matthew chapter four. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I think it's a great time to to reach out to our community, if any way possible, to make a fisher of men. I hope you're a satisfied customer. Be strong and very courageous. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in.